You're listening to At The Mic with Keith, an independent podcast production. Welcome to this edition of At The Mic. I am your host, Keith Malinak, a special Quick Bites edition with my special guest, Barbara Schroeder. Thank you so much for making time today. I really appreciate it. I am happy to be here and pleased to like actually see you and hear you kind of sort of in person on this uh, Zoom. Yeah, yeah. The, it's, it's amazing what technology can do. Now, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, you were born and raised in Columbus, Ohio. Is that right? That's true. You did your research, yeah. I did my research, yeah, yeah. I'm a good Midwest girl. Absolutely. That's awesome. Well, I married a good Midwestern girl, so <laughs> I, I gotcha. Okay, you ended up at the University of Michigan at some point, and I'm just wondering, how does that happen, considering they're such rivals on the field of play. It seems like an odd match. How did that happen? That's a really interesting question. No one has ever asked me that. You're a great interviewer. <laughs> and I wish I had some really great story, like, you know, I got scholarships or research. Right. They had a program. I followed my boyfriend who was a basketball player and he got a scholarship there. So I followed him. <laughs> Good a reason as any, right? Yep, 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 yep. So okay. that direction. I got gotcha. you. So you and I have something in common. Uh, I went to school at the University of Nebraska in Lincoln. And while there, I had a local TV internship as well. I was also a sports intern. I believe that's how you started out. Yes, yeah, I got now. McDonald's and ran the prompter for uh, the sports dudes. <laughs> you got you ran the McDonald's. You ran the sports prompter. That's more than I. They would. The only thing they let me do was I got to log videotapes of Nebraska Cornhuskers football games, um, which... I don't mind considering I'm a huge football fan, but... How does that work? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it just seems like they entrusted you with a little bit more, huh? And that's that's where it started, right? That's right. That's where it started. I got the, the bug for, for television and I was trying to get into the news reporting world. So I ended up, I took any job I could get at this station and uh, and I worked my way up to making a you know, a, a promo tape for myself and running around all news stations all across Michigan and saying, hire me. Right, you know, right. So inexperienced. But, you know, you keep pound, you keep doing the work and people uh, can't say no at some point. Now, is it true that someone was visiting your area from Los Angeles, right? And they saw you on the local TV. I guess they were in town for a wedding or something. And next thing you know, you're living and working in L.A., right? Yeah. And I actually I mean, my main job was Flint, Michigan. That's where I was an anchor and a, and a reporter for quite a while. And I loved it there. It was close to family, had a, had a couple of kids there. You're the big fish in a small market. And then this guy from Los Angeles calls and says, we have a lot of money and a great position. I'm like, this isn't true. This can't be real. <laughs> sure enough, it was. And then I actually questioned whether I should go or not. And all of my friends and everybody's like, of course you should. That's a top 10 market. And, and I'm, I'm glad I made the leap. Bar Bar I don't know how many people can say, yeah, I went from the Flint market to Los Angeles in, in, a, in one move. I mean, that's incredible. Well, and at the time, I didn't realize the, uh, the, the, you know, the magnitude of that because I'm a very loyal and I was very, you know, very much an Ohio, Michigan girl. And I'm like, how can I leave my home? And but we made it all work. And you know what? It was a, 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 a way, the, what, I, what I didn't know back then that I know now, that it was a bigger platform with which to tell stories. And that's, that's what I love what you're doing because you're telling stories and you're sharing, you know, the platform that you have with bringing interesting stories, people, you know, that otherwise, I mean, and we don't have, there isn't a lot of local reporting, investigative reporting. There's not a lot that, 
local news has kind of, you know, gone down in stature. So I think podcasters are doing just such a great job at, at, at mining and finding good stories. And you're really good at that. So I, I really appreciate that. Uh, what we like to say is everybody has a story and it's so true. And you don't find out like so many of my interviews are coworkers that I have passed in the hallway for a dozen years now. And I had no clue what they were into or what they were like after they were leaving work. And, and it's just fascinating because everybody has a story. It's like, take a minute, ask a question. Right. There's exactly. a good motto. You, could, you can have that. I'm going to write that down. I appreciate that. <laughs> Hold on, take a minute. Okay, so uh, you have covered some serious stuff out in Los Angeles. I think one of the really big ones that comes to mind, the Menendez brothers. Yeah. Uh, is that kind of just... Is that where you got into the whole true crime field? In other words, what you were covering, is that what eventually led to the other projects that you've worked on since then? It, well, it is interesting because when I first started out here, I was a weekend anchor and I was an entertainment reporter during the week. Uh-huh. And then and then they, they knew that I had, because I was from the Midwest and I had good work ethic and values sure. and all that. You know, they're uh-huh. like, oh, this works really hard. So they started sending me out on, you know, bigger news stories. And I just... I loved it. It was a place where you could mine um, information and emotion and it's like puzzles. Right. So I, I was attracted to that. And then I veered mm-hmm. over towards that kind of reporting and the Menendez story. That really was a, to be in, cause I was from a small town basically. So to be in a big city with a big story and to be able to have access to, and to be asked like, Hey, go talk to the police officer. And like, great. And, uh, and lo and behold, I had, I met an officer and back when that story happened, I met him and he was really good to me. And I was, he gave me information and I was really good at keeping it and not, you know, I saved it. I didn't just, so we established this trust level years later, he works at the Beverly Hills police department. And, um, I go pitch an idea at the Beverly Hills police department to write a story about the first hundred years of crime in Beverly Hills. And this guy who trusted me said, yeah, so we have a book out there called Beverly Hills confidential, a century of stars, scandals, and murders. And, we were able to get access to stories about a cult that operated in Beverly Hills and, wow. you know, the Bugsy Siegel. So it was just, it's nice to be able to not, to do these stories, not just because they're like train wrecks, like, oh, look at this stuff, but to take a story and look into the emotional aspect. Like, let's re, let's kind of rewire it and see where it went wrong, how it could have been different. And is there a lesson in these stories for all of us who aren't committing crimes or aren't, <laughs> you know, that we know of, right? I mean, everybody's got a story after all. So, okay. Yes, yes. So you talk about the information and you talk about the emotion. And it's got to be sensory overload when you're looking into these cases, especially not just the ones in the hundred years of Beverly Hills history, but you've covered some intense stuff. The stuff that you mentioned there on a local level, but obviously Tall Hot Blonde that you wrote, um, Evil Genius, uh, and your podcast that you're doing now, Bad Bad Thing. These are incredibly wicked stories. Does this stuff ever, the emotion of it all that you referenced, does it ever just weigh you down? Is it causing you to lose sleep? Is it really, is it affecting you? Does that stuff get to you? It does. And many times I question like, why, wait, this is very heavy, but it's interesting. People um, associate me with true crime and they're like, oh, you know, here's a story about a serial killer. You probably watched that. And I'm like, you'd be surprised to know. I don't like stories about serial killers. I wouldn't have been asked to direct stories about them. And I see no redeeming value. I mean, it's just like, no, this is like, 
I, I don't want anything to do with it. The stories that I'm really drawn to, that I like to call them like an elevated true crime, where there is justice that really hasn't been had. And I'm not talking about just like, oh, somebody, you know, we don't know who the killer is. I'm talking about, let's use bad, bad thing, for example. There's a woman at the center of the story who kills someone and kills herself. And and we only got to hear her husband's side of the story of what happened. And I heard some little audio snippets on 2020 that he was presenting um, of the woman's side of the story. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. I want to hear that. So I reached out and we were able to get a whole new look into this story. And then I brought in a therapist to a uh, really esteemed therapist, Dr. Ramanita Devasala, to explain to us like where and how did this woman who was seemingly normal for 49 and a half years of her life, where and how did she short circuit and how, what was missing? It's almost like I would like to go back in time with these stories and figure out where we as a society, where people around these people could have helped and made a difference. It's sort of like how you get justice for lost souls. And even in Evil Genius, there was this, you know, poor pizza delivery man who may or may not have been involved in this incredible heist. And, you know, nobody, nobody ever got an interview with this woman, Marjorie Dill Armstrong. And, you know, we got that and we moved the story forward and all the way back to Tall Hot Blonde, mm -hmm. uh, a story about a mother who impersonates her daughter online. Um, it was the first original catfishing story before catfishing even came out. Right. It, here was this woman who played two people online. Uh, it got them to believe that she was a her young daughter and no one ever, nothing happened to her. One guy ended up dead. One guy ended up in prison and nothing happened to her. So I got in the car and drove out and interviewed her because it's like, wait, let's, can we just talk to you and find out like, what was this all about? And as easy as it is for society to be like judgmental and quick to the trigger, like, oh, you're a bad person. There was something interesting in what she had to say. Right. Well, I can only imagine what it does to you here. Uh, I know we're running out of time, but one of the things that I like to ask on my podcast is if you could go back in history and meet one person, I figured that Barbara Schroeder's answer would be some criminal mastermind or some psychopath. But is there anybody that stands out to you that you've always thought, man, I'd love to go meet that person? Like to interview or just to just, just to meet, interview, whatever, just just to hang out with, watch a football game with. I, I don't know anyone. I mean, I really do want to know who killed who at the Greystone Mansion murder mystery in Beverly Hills. So I'd probably go back to that mansion and walk around and be a detective and figure it out. Uh-huh. Okay. I got you. Very cool. Uh, anything on the horizon besides the podcast, which is bad, bad thing, anything coming up that we need to know about? Well, thanks for asking. We're actually um, working on a season two of Evil Genius right now because there was one co-conspirator out of four, you know, somebody called him a group of social misfits. There was one co-conspirator who's never spoken. He talked to the FBI early on and disappeared, went off the radar. CNN couldn't get him. Nobody could get him. And we found him and he has a whole new story to tell that might or might not be opening up the case. That is awesome. I love it. Well, Barbara Schroeder, thanks so much for making time today on At The Mic. So grateful. Thank you. Glad to know about your podcast. I'll spread the good word. Thank you. This has been At The Mic with Keith, an independent podcast production. Head to atthemicshow.com for archived episodes, sponsor information, and ways to connect. 